0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for joining in. We've had some really good episodes lately and more are still to come. I can't believe we are right around the 250th episode. Of the show. And that just blows me away because it was sort of an experiment. I thought I would do 25 episodes and see where we went from there. And now, 10 times that, the show's starting to get a little more traction. And so I really, really appreciate all of the new listeners. And as I say from time to time, if you like the show, Send me an email and tell me, hey, I listened to your show or this was an episode that I really liked. It makes my whole day brighter. And if you really want to make my whole day brighter, jump over to iTunes and leave a review about what you like about the show because it's the reviews and people subscribing to the show that helps the show rank and that just helps other people find it and that's a lot of fun too. So today, as in most of our shows, we're going to interview someone who has had a corporate job and and done that but also has worked for herself and really – I'm impressed with the things she's done and the things she's doing because she actually has kind of a lot of irons in the fire. And when I talk to people who are entrepreneurs or at least entrepreneurial, it's not just one thing that that they have going. Sometimes they stitch together three or four projects in able to – carve their own path in the world and today's guest has done just that. So today I want to welcome to the show Michelle McCullough and Michelle is someone I met sort of through the National Speakers Association but is someone over the last few months I've gotten to know a little bit better and she's doing some really cool things so I knew she was going to be perfect for cool things entrepreneurs do. Hey Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So
0: according to your bio, and I don't like to read people's bios, so I'll let you kind of tell everybody kind of what you do. (laughs) But according to your bio, you started your first business at 19, and now you run three companies. Now, the thing about starting your business at 19, it recently dawned on me, and I've been talking about this in some of my speeches, that I really wish when I was younger, I had taken the type of career risks that I'm willing to take now, that I had just gone out and tried things. So what made you start a business at 19?
1: Well, I call myself the accidental entrepreneur because I didn't really set out to do that to begin with. I was in school in marketing and advertising. I was working at an advertising agency at the time, and we were looking for some promotional items. And back then, the internet didn't work the same as it does now, and I'm not that (laughs) old, okay? Oh,
0: at least there was an internet when you were 19. (laughs) That's better than me. There was no internet.
1: (laughs) I'm searching online for... Dumb HTTP things, and I found some guy in the Midwest named Bob Spooner. I asked him to give me some quotes, and he called me on the phone. and He said, "Michelle, I'm happy to give you some quotes, but you know what? I think you could start this business for only fifty bucks and make the commissions, which would more than pay for what you did." (laughs) And I thought that was really generous of him because I thought, "Oh, it only cost me fifty bucks to start this business," and I thought it'll be perfect hand in hand with my advertising agency, but I thought I'll just do a couple of orders and then I won't really keep doing it. But I, it turns out I really loved it. And it's been a really great companion to a lot of companies that I've worked for over time. And so that was my first business that I started on the side and kind of ran on the side for about nine years before I kind of moved it to the front burner.
0: Wow. But you haven't always just worked for yourself. You have worked in corporate America also, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. So Um, When I was 19, I worked for that advertising agency. I also worked for a television station, a radio station, a newspaper over time. And then um, after I graduate, well, I didn't graduate. I got my associates. I went to get my bachelor's. I kind of became a college dropout. Don't (laughs) judge. (laughs) I'm not judging. um, (laughs) Through the course of my experience, I ended up being a corporate sales trainer for a technology company. Um, And I was in charge of doing all the training, both hard skills within the product Um, products that we were selling but then in soft skills as well and so i worked for them for a few years before i finally uh, quit and transitioned to doing some of my own things so it's been really great to see both sides of the coin and to experience what i could from corporate and then also apply those things into my entrepreneurial ventures as well
0: so tell us about your business today what what is it that you do and and how do you make how do you make your money
1: well, I do still have Dudad's promotional products as a business that I run on the side. Uh, primarily, I'm a marketing consultant. So I have clients all over the country and throughout the world that I work with, small business owners who are growing their businesses, and trying to make a bigger splash, balancing traditional and emerging strategies. So I do that. But then I'm also a speaker and I speak on marketing and social media all over. But then I also have a leadership arm of my speaking business and uh, success coaching that I do as well. So I uh, Some might say the jack of all trades and the master of none, but like you mentioned in the beginning, I have found that the older I get, the easier it is to grow and expand in different businesses and to have more than one business because I've got a team in place that can help me out. I've got assistants that are around and it's almost like investing in my future and I'm just playing around with businesses instead of money and it's really a lot of fun and I love it.
0: So what is it that you love about this life of an entrepreneur?
1: I love being able to choose my own schedule. I love being able to choose my own paycheck. I love being able to give myself a raise when I want to give myself a raise. And I love that every single day, for the most part, I'm doing things that I want to do. Not because somebody else told me to do them, but because I want to do them. And now anything I don't want to do, I outsource, delegate, or hire somebody else to do. And so I'm really only focusing on revenue-generating activities and the stuff that I love and I'm really, really passionate about. So my days are full of the ways that I want them to be, and that's what I love the most about being an entrepreneur. Well,
0: and a lot of people who I talk to, who listen to the show, and 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 who I work with, a lot of them also want to make this transition or have made this transition into sort of carving their own path in the world because they also have kids. And I know you've got you've got a couple of those the little rugrats around. How does being an entrepreneur help you as a parent?
1: Well, that's actually when I decided to make the biggest jump. And it was scary at the time because I didn't want to leave my income, but I had some other things on the side. And I finally said, you know what, this is the best time to quit. So I quit corporate when I had my first baby and kind of moved my first my businesses up front. And in the beginning, I thought it was going to be so easy. Like, you go eight hours a day working for someone else to just being home all day with a baby. And I thought I'm going to get so much done and my businesses are going to be awesome. <laughs> and the reality is as, as I'm sure people are just laughing is that I figured out babies are a lot of work and what I thought I was going to be spending like eight hours a day on my business and three hours a day with the baby just on my lap or whatever, it became a lot more work. And so that was kind of tricky, but what I love now that I figured out some things and put in some systems and figured out my schedule and how to kind of juggle all of that is that it does give me the flexibility. Like this morning, I was at Parents and Pastries because I could be, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had a corporate job. And I'm able to take my kids on trips and vacations. They come with me when I travel and speak. And so as an entrepreneur, what I am also teaching my kids is that whatever you want to do, whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is, you can make it happen. And If you want to have your own business, great, we can do that. If you want to work for someone else, great. Whatever that looks like, I hope that at the end of the day, my kids are getting the best of me because I am 100% fulfilled in the work that I'm doing and that I get to give them the best so that they can see how and build whatever kind of future that they want.
0: Yeah, and you know it is interesting because I think the kids do get to see that. So my my now twenty year old daughter, when she was seventeen, I was hosting the simulcast. I have a, a business on the side with a, a speaker named Eliz Green. We call it the conference talk show, and we are the sort of Matt and Savannah in the morning during a conference, like for an association where they'll broadcast it over the web, so the members who can't fly to Washington D.C. to be there can can watch all the speakers. And what we do is we fill the time during the coffee breaks with sort of a Today Show style talk show and. And uh, one of the times it was the National Speakers Association we were doing it at, and one of the speakers didn't show up who was supposed to be interviewed during the break. They got caught with the people after they got off stage, and we didn't have anyone to interview. And I saw my 17-year-old daughter walking by who was in the National Speakers Association youth program, and I'm like, Jackie, come here. And I made her sit down. I go, we're going to interview you, and they went, go. And I said, so – I explained who she was and that she was in this youth program. I said, what is it like to be the child of a professional speaker? And she, without missing a beat, looks right into the camera and goes, well, you're gone a lot. And I I literally thought, oh, my God, she's going to throw me under the bus on the broadcast. And she said, but you know what? When you're home – you're home and you're engaged and you're able to go to parents and pastries or whatever it was at her school when she was younger or if i forgot my lunch you could bring it out to me or you know whatever she goes my friends whose parents were lawyers were gone from 7 to 7 and they they never could break that schedule so even at 17 she noticed you know i was really pleased that she noticed that yeah i'm gone a lot but when i was home i was home and that that really mattered to her and I, that was kind of the first time i'd ever noticed that you know carving my own path actually had some positive things even with the travel that i have to do
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's definitely the case. And I'm home. And I love that. And um, I can go and do the things and I can be the ones and my kids at the beginning of every day will say who's picking me up today. And the reality is, is I'm not I'm there more than I'm home, I'm gone. And I'm the one who's picking them up more than I'm gone. But um, they ask every single day. And but then, but then they're excited that it's me. And I'm excited that it's me as much as I can be, which I couldn't pick, I couldn't pick them up from school if I was working a nine to five. So I, I love that. It's an ebb and flow and I am a hot mess. I'm going to make no, like, <laughs> like, like I'm not, not going to give on any errors that everything works perfectly all the time. But at the same time, it's my own beautiful mess and I am happy with it.
0: <laughs> so what advice do you have for somebody who's listening who goes, I, I want to be, have my own hot mess. I want to start my own <laughs> way in the world and, and be able to drive carpool at least once in a while. What advice <laughs> do you have for someone who wants to spin out and, and be an entrepreneur?
1: Well, I think like anything else, like as somebody who's been consulting business owners all over, I have noticed some things with them as well as with myself. Like I've seen people that have millions of dollars in the bank squander it away because they suck at time management. And I've seen people with zero dollars build giant businesses because they're really good at investing their time. And I think that time is your greatest asset in your business. And it can also be your greatest liability. So you have to figure out how to invest that and make it work for you. And so for me, I just figured out some time management systems that worked, that fit within the routines of my schedule, that fit within the routines of my kids. But I'm pretty rigid about that. I treat my marketing time as important as I would um, lunch with a friend or a meeting with a client. I treat my date night as important as I would the time that I write content and crank out my books. And so the ways that I let my roles intersect, but then also stay separate, but then honor each of them by making time for the ones that are most important... Is when, I, when my roles are in sync, it's great. And I have learned over the years that those who sacrifice what they love the most, whether it's their hobbies or their families or their relationships, those are the ones who burn out. But if you can figure out how to um, make time for everything that's important to you from your business to your personal life, you'll be wholly satisfied and you'll be able to continue to wake up every morning to get the job done because you're excited about it and it's not costing you the things that matter most.
0: Well that's so interesting because I'm doing some research right now on how do people get closer to reaching their potential, and one of the things that come up comes up over and over again is time management. So do you think that you do a good job of reaching your potential do you think do you think yeah i'm I'm reaching my potential
1: Well, it's interesting, and I think I've shared this with you privately before that one of the things that my teachers always said about me at parent teacher conferences to my mom was Michelle has so much potential. If she would just apply herself, she would be unstoppable. If she would just get her homework done, she'd get straight A's. And I remember like, and I've talked about this before, the paralysis of potential, right? Because people tell you for so long, you're going to be do this, you can do this if if you do X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, I had to make that on my own terms. And so when it comes to potential and when it comes to growing your businesses and growing the kind of life that you want, it doesn't work if you're trying to build somebody else's dream. It doesn't work if you're copying what someone else is doing. It doesn't work if you're saying, hey, that woman over there makes a million dollars and she has five kids. I'm going to do exactly what she does. Well, that's just a recipe for failure and a recipe for dissatisfaction. So in order for me to feel 100% living to my potential, it has to be defined by me. But then it's not potential anymore. It's just rising to the occasion. It's just being the person that I am and want to be and giving it my all and saying, you know what? This is how I want to be. This is how I want to show up in the world. And I'm not. it's not about potential anymore. It's about just making your dreams a reality. And I love that.
0: Well and and I mean that is such good advice and it goes right along with the research that I'm doing and what every what everybody tells me in fact I call I call my new speech and my new workshop the paradox of potential because just like your teachers oh my gosh Michelle has so much potential well potential doesn't equal results so in a way it's almost like so what you know how how do we get how do how do we get closer to being there and you give really good advice pointing out that the fact that you know you don't have to go make a million dollars and juggle everything you know you don't have to reach the highest heights of every piece of potential you just have to be the best you that you can be and i think that's really good advice for people
1: right and to a certain extent i think that we also have to recognize what works for other people doesn't work for us and that while education was not my strong suit i could have technically applied myself and maybe been a straight a student um maybe then i wouldn't have been a college dropout but then at the same time um, I don't regret the path that I've gone on. And there are things that I've learned in other places, but then I know other people who needed to be in school and who needed to have that happen. And so it's not about my way is better than your way. It's about do your way and do it right and do it right for you and not for anyone else. And I, I think that's where the greatest satisfaction comes.
0: And, and I've realized now that I've crossed that 50 year old mark that, you know, I'm pretty content in what I'm doing and I love my job. I mean, I, I just am so thrilled to be able to do what I do, but if I had, not made some of the mistakes or even some of the bad choices along the way. It could have taken me on another path and, and I very well might have been successful and hit really good potential. Maybe I could have gone to law school and I'd be a partner in a law firm, but I work with a lot of partners in law firms who are miserable. And I wake up every day and say, oh, my gosh, I get to go speak to the ASQ conference this week. And then after that, I'm going to be with the NTA Association. And and it's just so exciting. And I'm thinking, wow, if I had not followed the path I followed, it might not have led me to where I am. So, you know, everybody's journey is just their journey.
1: Right. And one thing to that effect is that while my teachers told me that I needed to live up my potential, my teachers also told me to tell my mother to tell her to shut up. Michelle talks way too much. And now I get paid to speak. So who's laughing now?
0: (laughs) Well, when we cleaned out my dad's house, my brother came out with a second grade report card and it was addressed to my mom, a little note attached to it saying he talks too much in class. We need to set up a t- parent-teacher conference. And my brother's like, do you think this teacher is still alive? Because what you get paid to speak, she probably <laughs> owes you hundreds
1: of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Go, Don't go keep back and, down, right?
0: Go back and bill those teachers for all that free talking that you did in their class.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've just been practicing for <laughs> 35 years. That's
0: right. Hey, Michelle, I got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this show. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance so that you sound amazing. Podfly really does do all the heavy lifting and that scary technical work so that all you have to do is focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Michelle McCullough. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Michelle, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now?
1: Well, the coolest thing that's going on in my world is that I have a major book launch going out and uh, my books are all over and it's bigger than I ever thought it was going to be, but it's just really exciting that one of those dreams that I had five or six years ago is actually coming to fruition and, and it's here and it's great and wonderful and scary and exciting and and terrifying all at the same time
0: (laughs) so your book is called the make it happen blueprint i love this and i think it it ties so closely to what we've been talking about in this whole episode is you know part of the thing to be successful is you just got to go out and make it happen but you can't do it without plans i mean we wouldn't build a house without blueprints so if you want to make it happen you got to have your goals and your plans so tell me about the make it happen blueprint book
1: well, this all started when I was 14 and I had a really great youth group leader who, whenever I told her about whatever my ideas were, like my get rich quick schemes and my kid side projects or my plays or my debate tournaments, if I ever showed any the tiniest ounce of doubt, she would say, Michelle, make it happen. And it became a mantra. And I know I don't own make it happen and lots and lots of people do it. But what I found over the years was the mix of the the commitment to the goal and the make it happen mindset was powerful, but not just saying it, actually putting those things into action. And so taking the make it happen idea and thoughts and philosophies, but then adding it in with some success principles and what I call my high performance practices have really helped make all the difference. And people will say, Michelle, I don't know how you run three businesses from home and have two kids. Well, this book is the answer. This is my success tips. They're not secrets. Some of them are principles other people have spoken on before, and some of them are just the things that have worked for me. But it's just been really fun to put that together and to find uh, have, have a little set of tools that I can share with friends and family about resources that I use that they can go and pull from their success toolbox to help them get more done and less time and avoiding that burnout that we talk about so much as entrepreneurs.
0: So what is the official launch date of the book?
1: March 21st.
0: All right. So that's about the time that this will air. So obviously everybody needs to go run out and buy the Make It Happen Blueprint. How can people find it? Is it going to be available? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your website? How do people get the book?
1: Yes. Any of those places, it's available obviously at Amazon.com. It's also been picked up by Barnes & Noble and Target and Books A Million and Powell Powell Books. Um, We'll get a limited airport release, which I'm really excited about. And um, hopefully it'll be available at bookstores near you, too. But of course, you can get it delivered to you really fast and easy online.
0: So and you're doing a bunch of things to launch the book. And, and I've released several books. And, and I'll be honest, I have not done everything. I haven't lived up my to my potential as a book launcher. But you, as I'm watching you, are doing a lot of things right. What are some of the things you're doing to sort of promote this book and get the word out there?
1: Well, even though I have been blessed to be partnered with a great publisher, as many people know, even if you have a publisher, you're still the marketing arm. And so I self-published the book four or five years ago, and and then I self-published another one. And I'm doing just the same amount of work I did now. I'm doing now even with them, but they have the distribution. And so I'm grateful for that, too. But we're doing a series of things, so I'm doing a little mini blog tour—not blog tour, but um, book tour. I am also doing a blog tour too, partnering with some influencers, which is great. Um, But then I'm doing a lot of things online, so I've partnered with some cool people that are doing some interviews with me that they're sharing with their audience, Um, podcasts and things like this. With you, I think are also great. So there's a big media um, push. I have a a media rep that's working with me on press releases and getting interviews of the places that I'm traveling. And then we're doing some fun activities locally where my, obviously where my biggest audience is, we're doing like a beauty and the beast book launch party where they get to come to the movie as part of the package and um, just a bunch of fun things. I'm all about experiential marketing and having people have experiences. And so we're just putting that in place wherever we're going and traveling with the book.
0: So I I know what a book signing is because I've done a billion of those myself, and obviously, you know, I understand what it is to be on a podcast because I host one two days a week. What Mm -hmm. exactly is a blog tour?
1: Ooh, a blog tour. So um, I've utilized blog tours for myself and for other clients of mine over the years, and we just reached out. and I have a blogger network that I stay connected with, and I have some of my own, and then I've reached out to other blogger networks, and so. What I have is I have these um, bloggers that have an audience above and beyond what I have, which is great. I love power- partnering with them. And we're doing promotional packages, either as trade or um, some. in some cases, they're getting compensation. But um, with the high-tier influencers, they're getting a free copy of the book. They're getting a lot of resources um, to be able to help them. I have a whole resources page with um, social media graphics and Facebook posts and things that they can just copy and paste and easily use. Um, as they do book reviews, I'm giving them suggestions. I've also written a bunch of articles that they can go and post if they just want to have like a guest post with a link back. But, um, over the course of the experience, I'm working with about a hundred influencers with a variety of audiences all over the country and their reach is above and beyond. And last, the numbers that I looked at was about 4 million. So more than I have the combined reach of these bloggers and the things that they can do, and even I'm amazed at what they'll do for just a book which is great. But in some cases, you have to pay them. And it depends on the plate people that you work with. But I've had other people just show up and say, hey, this is awesome. If you'll just give me a link back, and then I'll share it through my network of 300,000. So some of it is like promotional trade. And some of it is just working with other bloggers and finding those who have that audience and tapping into their network.
0: So, if somebody has a new project, maybe it's maybe it's a book, but maybe it's something else. Maybe they're launching a podcast. Maybe they're starting their personal training business. Maybe they're you know doing one of those billions of things that all of us all of us do. How does someone go about organizing sort of this this facilitated PR campaign that you're obviously doing so well for your book? How how how, does, how can we take this idea of this blog tour and apply it to somebody else who maybe doesn't have a book?
1: Sure. And it works for any kind of product. Um, the number one thing that I tell my clients to start with if they're putting together a blog tour of their own is to think of the places and the, the sites that their audiences read. And so they may not know, know that after at the top of their heads. And so I'll encourage them to do a survey if, that they can send out to their target market or that they can send out to their customers, existing customers. What sites do you look at the most? What sites do you love? You might find the people that you will partner with that um, will be a complimentary. So for example, I have a client who's in health and wellness, and she does alternative medicine, but then is also a yoga instructor and a personal trainer. And so we found some, you know, health and wellness magazines and online resources and online bloggers specifically in that subject. But then we started to go one step further and say, okay, well, some of those people who are like outdoorsy or athletic, they also could benefit from some of these services. So we looked at running blogs and um, other personal trainers. And so we have them make their list. They reach out with an email that just says, hey, this is the launch that's going on. We'd love to have you be involved. Um, here's what we're offering, here's what we're looking for in return. If you're interested in partnering with us, um, respond. So it starts with your audience first, knowing exactly who your target market is. Second, choosing your dream team of influencers. And then third, creating the plan and system of what you're willing to offer, whether that's money or trade in promotion or some other kinds of resources. In my case, I'm also giving people tickets to an event um, versus what you want them to do and make that really clear. And just saying, hey, will you promote my book doesn't help. But what is it that you want? Do you want tweets? Do you want a book review? Do you want a book review on Amazon? Do you want them to list it on Goodreads? Be specific about the things if it's a book. But then if it's a product, it works in other ways. So you can say, hey, I'd love for you to experience this product. Try it out. Share it with your friends. See what, what works for them. Or have them share an aspect that worked and so they can do a case study. But just be clear about what it is that you want and what you're giving in return and allow people to jump on board where it fits and works best for them.
0: No, oh, I think that I think that's a great idea. My mind is already spinning about all the things that I could do. So that's great. That's great. Hey, so if somebody needs to uh, give this book as a gift, they think the Make It Happen Blueprint, my friend needs that. What What's the number one thing someone gets out of reading this book? Why would someone read this book themselves or, or give it to a friend?
1: Well, I think there's, there's two pieces to that. And you said only one, but I am an overachiever. And so I like to go for two, even though you only told me one, but I'll be fast. Okay. So the first one is what I like about this book is that what I've been getting the most feedback about and what I really wanted to have happen is people saying, you know what, I had this goal, or I had this dream, or I wanted to start this business. But it's been in my back in the recesses of my brain for so long, I didn't think I could do it. But your, your book really gave me The inspiration that I could do it and the tools that it would take to actually make it happen and put it into place. So I love helping people find those dusty old boxes that are in their brain labeled someday and saying, hey, today is that day. But the second part of that is goes way beyond the motivation, but it's the little things that you can do. Um, There's lots of time management tips, productivity hacks. Um, There's lots of resources in there in terms of what to happen if something goes wrong or if you fail, how to dust yourself off, off and keep going. So it really is the inspirational piece, but then also the strategic piece of what do you actually need to do to make those dreams a reality And so whether you're a college student who's just getting ready to start your first job or if you're a stay-at-home mom who wants to start a business or someone who works corporate that wants to go on their own, there's a lot of tools and strategies in here to help you take that dream, make it happen today.
0: All right. So everybody who's listening, be looking out for the Make It Happen Blueprint, especially if you're in the airport. I think it's one of my favorite things, and, and because I'm a speaker and I have a lot of friends who write books, and I this happens more than it used to. But it's I've never found anything so cool as to walk into a bookstore, even better, an airport bookstore, and see a book that someone I know wrote. And so every time I'm in an airport now, I'm going to be looking for the Make It Happen Blueprint, and uh, I'll move it to the front. I'll make sure that everybody – I turn them all face out, not spine out when I see my friends' books. Thanks, Tom. So, Michelle, I think that in addition to – I mean we could talk about you and we could talk about the book all day long. But I think in addition to just wanting to be successful in their business, I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask people who come on the show, not you or your book or your company, but who's another entrepreneur that you see out there that you think, wow, they're doing cool stuff?
1: Well, it's interesting that you asked me that question because immediately my mind is flooded by lots and lots of people who have done cool things and it's so hard to pick just one. Um, But one of my friends, Kelly King Anderson, who is the founder of Startup Princess, one of the companies that I currently own, um, she was an ins- instrumental in helping me grow some businesses, but also her philosophy of that you have every gift, talent, and ability within you to make a business work. And so many people will say, I can't run a business. I can't do X, Y, and Z. But the truth is, is that you can find somebody who do- does the things that you don't. And so she really was a true inspiration. But I'm also thinking of my grandpa who uh, has since passed away, but he started his own business when everyone else said, no, 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 you need to go do your own thing and be sensible and provide for your family. And he started this travel agency because he just loved it and he knew it was going to be great. And I often think of him as like my spirit entrepreneurial guide as someone who what would my grandpa do because he rocked at personal relationships. And I learned from him that you build a business one person at a time, one relationship at a time, and that people matter. And even in the day and age that we live in, and you know, I, I love social media. I talk about it. We have at Startup Princess 300,000 followers, and it can be get easy to get caught up in the numbers of what your following is. But the truth is, is it's the one-on-one relationships that have brought me the best business. And I learned that by watching him and by going to his small town and going to the grocery store with him where he knew everyone. And while I don't think that we have to know everyone, what I learned from him is that we, when we take time to get to know people and care about them, then they in turn care about us. And that's where big business starts.
0: That's awesome. So the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Cause I think that, I think that we want to do more than just make money. I think that we want to leave a mark. So how, how do you serve the greater good?
1: Well, I think that's one of one of my favorite parts about being an entrepreneur is that I get to choose what I do. When I worked corporate, we had like the one day United Way Day of Caring, and we would go do that. It was fun to to give back and partic- participate. But now I have a variety of things that I love to in, and enjoy to do. And while I don't have a lot of money sometimes that I can flow at those, I found that just giving my time, that greatest asset that I have, that at times I can go, oh my gosh, I can stay at home and earn XYZ an hour consulting. But um, I'm so much better for it. And I'm humbled in so many ways by people who are less fortunate. But my favorite is through an organization called the American Legion Auxiliary. They are the largest women's patriotic organization in the country. And they have a program called Girl State where they help 17-year-old girls learn about government, learn about leadership, learn about patriotism, and learn about veterans in our armed forces. And it was a program I was blessed to be a part of when I was a junior girl, but I loved it so much in that experience that was one of my make it happen experiences that now every year I've been on staff for about 18 years. It's a I go for a week to with 350 junior girls and help them have a similar experience. And then there's no pay involved, but I love what I get when I grow there. So in the end, I feel like I'm selfish because I get something so much better than I give. But um, I love that my business allows me to do that.
0: That, that is awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Thank you for having me. It really is an honor.
0: Well, and I wish you so much luck with your with your book. I mean, one of the things, you know, I want to make sure I put it out on all my social media and things like that, because I think too often, especially, you know, amongst speakers, we think we promote our friend stuff, but we never really get around to actually doing it. And I love to see it when somebody has done everything right and really put everything into place. I love to see the possibility of that potential just going kaboom. So please let me know what I can do to help promote the book once the final launch day arrives.
1: Thanks, Tom. You're a cool, cool (laughs) entrepreneur doing cool things.
0: Hey, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Michelle. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you to go out there and have a great day.